Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the ABA Law Student Podcast here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Chris Morgan, Governor of the ABA Law Student Division's 12th Circuit and a 3L at the Gonzaga University School of Law in Spokane, Washington. Our show today is sponsored by the American Bar Association's Law Student Division. And in this monthly podcast, we cover topics of interest to you, law students and recent grads. We hope this show is a trusted resource for all of our listeners. For this show, Linda Klein, president of the American Bar Association, joins us. Linda earned her JD at Washington and Lee Law School in Virginia and is the senior managing shareholder at Baker Donaldson. She's listed in Best Lawyers in America, Who's Who in America, and Chambers USA. She's also regularly named to Super Lawyers Top 100 in Georgia. Hey, Linda, thanks for joining us today on the show to talk a little bit about the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program and kind of some of the things that have come up with that the last several months. I'm glad to be here, and I'm uh, very interested in talking about this topic today and sharing with uh, all the law students in America. Great. So it might be best to start with a little bit of background about Public Service Loan Forgiveness and how the program was enacted back in 2007. Interestingly, the ABA has been a champion of public service loan forgiveness from the time it was conceived, and that was in probably about 2004. And the ABA worked with Congress uh, over several years, and then it was signed into law by uh, the second President Bush, George W. Bush, in October of 2007. And the purpose was to provide incentives for graduates, and it's not just law schools, uh, for graduates to pursue full-time public service careers by giving them a forgiveness of their student loan debt balance if they made timely loan payments for 10 years, 10 years, while they were working in public service jobs. And the formula for what they would be paying back is roughly 10% of their income, and they measured that monthly. So the program defines public service jobs as those providing public interest law services, public education, public service for people with disabilities, public service for the elderly. Those are just some examples. And there's an estimate from the Congressional Budget Office that said that there could be as many as 432,000 borrowers on student loans that could be involved with the program. Of course, we don't know how many will seek loan forgiveness. And of course, it's not 10 years yet. But there was a time, and the law student division was deeply involved with the ABA on this, and I know I got involved in it too, where there was a decision, a discussion in Congress that uh, public service loan forgiveness would be zeroed out in the budget. And I'm talking about last year and the year before in the Obama administration in the last Congress. And the ABA started a, a social media campaign, Save Loan Forgiveness, and it was hashtag loan the number four in forgiveness. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about people who have been in the public service loan forgiveness program, some for as many as nine years, and that's what the lawsuit is about. So we're going to be talking about that, and I guess I'll go ahead and answer your, your further question. 
All right. So again, just to kind of catch everyone up to speed, I think it was back on the 20th of December, the ABA decided to file suit against the Department of Education based on retroactive denial of people who had already been in the program. Is that correct? That's exactly right, but maybe technically I can clean up exactly the history a little bit, and I'd like to tell everybody the entire history. Okay. So, for example, there were lawyers who worked in the ABA that for several years had been getting a letter every year from the Department of Education that certified that they were eligible for public service loan forgiveness. In fact, the letters, which I believe are attached to the complaint that we filed in the federal court in Washington, say you've got this many qualifying months, and if you do this many more qualifying months, your loan balance will be forgiven at the end. And then, mysteriously, last spring, they started receiving letters that said, you know all those letters you got in the past? We take it all back. And that was just unfair. And the ABA believes that we need to hold the Department of Education accountable for the promises it made to these lawyers that made the choice to dedicate their careers to public service. And many of these people entered into these professional careers carrying debts well into the six figures, and they didn't choose lucrative jobs. They opted for public service. So we at the ABA said that these lawyers relied on a promise that the Department of Education made to them. If you make your loan payments in full, on time, at the reduced fee while working in a public service job, then after 10 years, the remaining debt will be forgiven. And so there are four named plaintiffs in this lawsuit, and the Department of Education told three of them that they were working in these qualified jobs, they were on track for loan forgiveness, and then they did a total about-face. They pulled the rug out from under them, no warning, no logical explanation, and they were told that their years of public service counted for nothing as far as the program went, despite these previous assurances that they were qualified for the program. And this is very upsetting. These lawyers made a financial decision, a career decision. They made life decisions based on the promises of the Department of Education. And the American Bar Association believes that the Department of Education must be held responsible and they must honor these promises. I want to assure everyone that the lawsuit was not just filed on a whim. The ABA tried to engage with the Department of Education over several months. There were meetings at the Department of Education. I attended a meeting at the Department of Education with the Executive Director of the American Bar Association, with the President-elect of the American Bar Association. In fact, even with the lawyer from our ABA Government Affairs Office that was involved in the years before public service loan forgiveness even became a law. And at that meeting, we described what the problem was. And that meeting, the last meeting, took place in October. We were promised an answer within 30 days. On December 1, uh, a letter was drafted that we got soon thereafter that said uh, that they were not going to change their mind. And that's why on December 20th, uh, we filed this lawsuit. I'd like to, while I'm talking about the lawsuit, to thank the law firm of Ropes and Gray. They are working as pro bono counsel to the ABA and the named plaintiffs in the lawsuit. That's great. So, yeah, I was going to get to that. It sounds like, based on the complaint, the ABA did reach out to the Department of Education and and kind of try and talk through it with them and see where they were at. Is it just the start of the department tightening up on individuals in the program, or are they wanting to limit the definition of service 
just for the fact that they don't want to pay out the money at the end of the term? Or is there some other explanation? Well, I guess we wish we knew. Uh, One of the plaintiffs, and this is uh, detailed in the lawsuit, one of the named plaintiffs filed a Freedom of Information Act request and said, tell us why you did this. And the department told her that there were 200 pages of responsive documents, and they sent her 198 blank pages. They redacted 198 pages. So we don't know. They claimed that they were uh, redacted because this was part of the deliberative process. But the deliberative process is over once they've made a decision. So we don't know. We wish we did know, but we don't know what was behind the department's thoughts here. Are there particular types of organizations that we think are going to be affected by the Department of Education's change in policy? Is it specifically 501c6 organizations, or have they given any indication to your knowledge of how they plan to limit this definition moving forward? Well, they haven't, except that the ABA is a 501c6. The ABA is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated to public interest law services. It meets the criteria that was set out by the Department of Education to qualify as a lawyer for public service loan forgiveness. It meets the definitions in the statute. And then suddenly, without explanation, the ABA was told that it did not qualify. But there are many nonprofit organizations, in addition to the ABA, that continue to struggle to attract and retain talented and committed professionals. And this is of great concern. But if the department wanted to change the rules, There's a process, there's a public process that would be used to change the rules. And then there would be a comment period, and none of that happened. Will there be any delay, do you think, in the suit moving forward as this new administration has yet to confirm a new head of the Department of Education? Or, you know, based on the statute, will it just commence as normal on that timetable? As far as I know, no one from the uh, administration in in any way has contacted the lawyers at Ropes and Gray or the American Bar Association to ask for any type of extension. The federal government has 60 days to answer a complaint, and we're not yet there as of the uh, recording of this podcast. Um, So just to talk, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the plaintiffs who are named in the lawsuit. Uh, As it seems, even aside from those who are working with the ABA, uh, it sounds like they were doing some pretty important public service work. Was there anything specific that they told you guys about why the immigration services or work with veterans wouldn't qualify as public service? No one has told us that. We're looking at the plain meaning of the statute, the regulations, everything that has been put together to date. That's the opinion of the American Bar Association and the lawyers at Ropes and Gray that, that all of these lawyers qualify. I want to make it clear that it's not just lawyers who are covered by public service loan forgiveness. Uh, the idea behind public service loan forgiveness was to be sure that we had people, particularly after the recession, uh, that would pursue advanced degrees and use those advanced degrees to help close the gap between the demand on public service and the ability to meet the demand. This was the congressional intent behind public service loan forgiveness. It was to get more people with graduate degrees into public service. And as you know, since 2007, the gap has only widened and the need has never been greater. But you asked about the individual plaintiffs. 
One is an employee at the ABA. He's worked at the ABA since 2014. He serves as an attorney for the Division for Public Service. Another plaintiff was a former employee of the ABA, and she works as a refugee officer for United States Citizenship and Immigration Services now. Another one of the plaintiffs is a former employee of Vietnam Veterans of America. He currently works for Paralyzed Veterans of America, where he's uh, an associate general counsel for appeal. Another one of the plaintiffs uh, is an employee of the American Immigration Lawyers Association. She's worked there since 2012. So it's just, it's just unfair for the Department of Education to change its mind retroactively and refuse to honor an obligation and a commitment to all of these professionals that have been following the rules, some for possibly nine years, and here it is on the eve of the first times that loans would need to be forgiven, to just pull the rug out. Think about the life decisions that were made based on this promise. It's just unfair to leave them out in the cold. Think about the years of education and how costly they were for these people to get the degrees that they have and how dedicated they've been to a life of public service where they're not making the kind of money they could in the private sector, but they're doing such an enormous job for the public and one that Congress wanted them to do by passing this law. Right. Can you talk a little bit more about how difficult this policy now makes it on retention and for hiring and retaining these employees who want to work in public service, who many of them went to law school for the purpose of engaging in public service after law school. It seems a lot of students, at least that I know, went to law school knowing about the public service loan forgiveness program and even took out loans to get into law school or to finance law school under the knowledge that they would be able to repay them down the road. What effect does that have first on legal education and then on hiring and retaining public service employees out in the real world of practice? The students that you mentioned, the ones who went to law school to become public service lawyers, the ones who went to law school knowing about public service loan forgiveness and hoping that they could be part of it, you are the lawyers that the American Bar Association is fighting for because we agree that it is disgraceful to make a promise and then take it away. And that's exactly the problem, and you put your finger right on it. And there are many nonprofit organizations, not just the ABA, who will now find it much more difficult to attract and retain these talented and committed professionals. One example, uh, the ABA uh, has a, a program called ProBar, and that provides pro bono representation to people seeking asylum at the Texas border. Some of the lawyers in ProBar have resigned. Uh, some of them have given their notice that they will resign, and they're concerned if they can no longer do this work. What's interesting, and we shared this with the Department of Education, the U.S. Department of Justice is providing funding for the lawyers that are working for the ABA at the Texas border. So we have one group of the government providing funding for the ABA to do this work, and another part of the government saying, well, we're taking back our promises. It's just not fair. And thinking about these actions with public service loan forgiveness by the Department of Education, it's definitely going to make it more difficult for the ABA to provide the public interest law services that we do. That's veterans, domestic violence victims, refugees, homeless, elderly, disabled, children. It goes on and on because the ABA is so dedicated to these issues. 
Okay, Linda. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on and talking with us. This is a huge issue that I know us at the law student division have been keeping an eye on, have been been working on, as you know, for a long time. And I know from us and for a lot of the law students out there, um, really appreciate the support and the diligence with which the ABA has been approaching this issue the last several months. All right. So before we finish up here, just one last question for you, Linda. Uh, For our listeners out there who want to follow up with you and learn a little bit more, how can they reach out to you? You can reach me at abapresident at americanbar.org. If you want more information about the public service loan forgiveness lawsuit and uh, where right now is you can get a copy of the lawsuit and other things online at the ABA website, we're going to have to put the link because it's too long to say it in the notes that go with this podcast. This way everybody can get to the information that they need. But I'd like to say one more thing. If, if you're a law student and you're interested in public service jobs, there are other programs likely besides public service loan forgiveness. The ABA is going to continue to fight for public service loan forgiveness. We intend to win, but you need to be very aware that the public service loan forgiveness program is part of discussions in Congress about how far it might go forward. And for those of you who are already part of the public service loan forgiveness program, it's part of this litigation. So you need to be very careful. You need to do all of your homework. Thanks again, Linda, for joining us. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you down at uh, ABA Midyear in Miami. We're looking forward to seeing everyone at the ABA Midyear meeting in Miami, and it will be starting February 2nd and go through February 6th. So we're looking for better weather than there is in Spokane today, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that. Thanks again, Linda, for coming on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you very much, and thanks for your continuing interest in public service loan forgiveness. I have a feeling that there'll be more to talk about between now and the annual meeting. Of course. We'll talk to you soon. We hope you've enjoyed another episode of our podcast. We encourage you to subscribe to the ABA Law Student Podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode, and take time to rate and review us as well. You can also reach us on Twitter at ABALSD using the hashtag LawStudentPodcast. We'd love to hear what's on your mind. I'm Chris Morgan, and thank you for listening to the ABA Law Student Podcast here on Legal Talk Network. Until next time, take care. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.